Hello, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the Singles Podcasting Network. Today, I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything that concerns today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Single Living is hosted by Rich Goss, a well-respected expert in the singles industry. He is the author of eight books on dating and has lectured on the subject in over 50 colleges and universities. Rich is frequently interviewed by the news media, including Oprah, CNN, Fox News, and the Wall Street Journal, to name just a few. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss. Welcome to Single Living. My guest today is Janine Wayrock, who is the author of 40 and Stuck in the Middle, A Journey of Your Greatness. Janine is a motivational speaker in the Southern California area, and she's a life coach and personal trainer. Her purpose and passion in life is to inspire and instruct people to live their journey of greatness by looking, feeling, and being their best. Welcome to Single Living, Janine. Thank you, Richard. Good morning. So tell us why you wrote the book, 40 and Stuck in the Middle. I had turned 40, and I think it was just a matter of an accumulation of what I went through in my life and observing the people around me. And although the book is applicable to anyone, because anyone can be stuck and not living their journey of greatness and not waking up with zest and passion, but we thought we'd find a niche. And the concept of the 40 was, okay, you're not 20 and maybe graduating from college and looking to expand your horizons and what am I going to do for a living and meet the significant other in my life and all those exciting life transitions. And you're not 60, where maybe you're winding down, doing some traveling, you have grandchildren and a whole different area of um, fun and fulfillment in life. But you're 40. And how are you still, still making your life happen in a great way? Because what I found is a lot of people at 40 all of a sudden just kind of settled into this status quo really weren't making things happen anymore, didn't have any zest. And so I wanted to kind of pull that crowd out to say, still live your life, be on fire, have a passion and a purpose. But again, Rich, the book actually applies to anyone who needs that push and that motivation to move their life to a more exciting level. Well, you know, Jeannie, and I talked to so many singles that uh, fit the description you just gave. You know, they've turned 40 or even 50, and they feel stuck in the middle. They don't feel that they have a future. They don't uh, get out much. They don't socialize much. They don't have any romance in their lives. What would be the first piece of advice you would give to a single person who feels stuck in the middle? Number one is obviously to realize that you're stuck and to be motivated by wanting more. I say that until the pain of remaining the same becomes greater than the pain of change, generally people choose to remain the same, meaning the comfort zone of staying inside, maybe not having to meet new people, constantly go through conversations, get dressed up and go out. You kind of get stuck and you get comfortable. And so it would be a matter of shaking yourself up and saying, no, it is more important to me to meet a significant other, to be sociable, to continue to learn and grow, to move myself to a better place than to stay where I am, even though it seems comfortable. And in my programs and in my book, I talk a lot about the comfort zone that people get into. And the dichotomy of that is the word comfortable, when in reality, it's really not the best for you, even though it may seem comfortable. So shake yourself up and move out of that place. And then, of course, the other thing is a lot of people stay where they are out of fear, uh, maybe past hurts, disappointments, failures, 
self-esteem is lacking, whatever it is. And another one of my focuses is to really impress upon people that they're not the product of their circumstances. So it's not the woe is me, you don't know what I've been through, but they're the product of their choices. Know what you want and make your choices accordingly so that you're propelling yourself and moving in that direction of what you want. And if what you truly want is a significant other, then you need to begin to make the choices that will set yourself up to make that happen. Well, my experience of single people, and I hate to use this word, but I'm going to anyway, is the L word. Most single people are lazy. You use the word comfortable, and I use maybe a more pejorative term. I like to use the word lazy because, as I see it, single people don't want to do any work to get their needs met. You mentioned they don't want to get dressed up. They don't want to go out of the house. You know, it's a cruel world out there. There's rejection. There are, you know, drunk drivers on the road. It's dangerous out there. And as you say, people are in that comfort zone. They stay at home. They watch TV. They eat their bonbons. And, of course, they don't meet anybody. And how do you get people unstuck? How do you motivate them to get out of the house? That's your job. You're a motivational speaker. What do you have to do to shake people up and get them to break out of that comfort zone? I encourage people to do a lot of writing or journaling. I think a lot of times ideas, wishes, goals, thoughts roam around in our head, but they don't become real until we make them concrete. And so when I work with my clients and I speak to groups of people, I always encourage them to get a journal. And I say start brainstorming. If you were to wake up with a purpose and a passion, what would you want to do today with your life? What changes would you want to make? What activity would you like to do? Write that down and then just start brainstorming all the reasons that you want to do that and how it would benefit your life and how it would change you. So with your singles, it would be a matter of saying, yeah, you know, I really would like to meet someone. Okay, now how are we going to light that fire and make it happen? You know what? Start thinking about it. Write down the specifics of what it's going to do. I always use the example of thinking about going on vacation. You're not there yet. You're not on the sand drinking foo-foo drinks. You're not climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or whatever it is that you want to do. But if all you do is stop for a moment and envision yourself there, what happens? Maybe your heart starts palpitating, you get excited, you get a smile on your face, your posture is different, your mental thinking is different. What happens? That was only from visualizing, and you're not even there yet. So it would be like start visualizing what it would be like to have that significant other in your life, and then start writing it down. Well, what do I want? Get specific. It's like a map for a trip. You wouldn't take a journey without knowing where you're going to go and how you're going to get there. Same thing with finding a significant other. You don't want to haphazardly go out there. You want to go out there with a mission, knowing what you're looking for. So I think it's really important to begin to visualize it so that it changes your mindset, your personality, the energy that you put out there, and then start writing it. This is what I want. And think of it in positive terms as if you've actually found it and what it's going to do for you. And I I think it does really light you on fire and, and start to change your mindset so that you go out there and make it happen. I like your mentioning the importance of writing things down. People just don't understand the power of the pen. When you write your thoughts down and your goals down and whatever it is you're visualizing it, when you make it more concrete on paper, you double your resources, you double your motivation, and you double the chances that you will attain your goal. Because you've made it concrete, like you said. In my goal-setting worksheet, it's very simple, and it says be specific, set a time frame, make a plan. Now, if everything that you wanted to accomplish in your life, you filled in those blanks, imagine how much more effective you would be at accomplishing them rather than just thinking about them, hoping for them, and thinking they're just going to walk into your life magically because that's not going to happen. Right. 
And talking about singles in specific, a lot of single people, of course, are in that comfortable relationship. You know, the old saying that uh, people want that old comfortable shoe, even though the, the shoe itself is unsightly and it's falling apart, but it's comfortable. And people a lot of times are in those old relationships that haven't worked for many, many years, but they're afraid to go off into that singles jungle, so they stay in the comfortable relationship. What do you tell people that are dating somebody and they're not getting their needs met? And I see that a lot. And I even have friends and I have clients when I do my life coaching and they'll complain about it and they'll talk about how it's not fulfilling them and then they go back. And number one is that comfortable zone. Uh, you go back just because it's familiar, because it's easier than going out there. And again, Rich, you've got to get specific. Do you want to be where you are tomorrow, the next day? next year, five years from now? Do you still want to be where you are now? And it's the same concept of until the pain of remaining the same becomes greater than the change, people generally choose to remain the same. They've got to take a step back and say, okay, if I don't want this, what do I want and how am I going to make it happen? They have to be motivated enough. When I talk about motivation in my programs, I say that motivation is two things. It's Believing that you can really make it happen, and then the second part of motivation is the importance of making it happen. So number one is, do you really believe that you can meet the quality person that you want? And then the second motivator is, once you met that person, how would it change your life? And if you really believed that you could meet somebody that's got most of the qualities that you want, because we all have our list, and um, in reality, can we really get 100%? No. But we get as close to that as we want. We've got our deal breakers. We've got our must-haves. So, again, if you envisioned that person and really believed that you deserved it, that you could make it happen, that you are a loving, capable, quality person, that it can attract the same, and then – once that person's in your life, you believe in all the positive things that it would do for you, would you not be more motivated to go out and make it happen? But what I think happens is people do get in their comfort zone. They do get wrapped up in their 24-7. They're so busy doing their life that they don't take the time for themselves to stop and say, my life is not really what I want. And it goes back to what we've already mentioned before, envision and write. Too many people keep complaining about their job or complaining about their living situation or their significant other, but then they don't change it. I think people need to stop, start journaling, doing more introspective thinking, and deserve and are capable of achieving more in their life. Well, it's kind of like the weather. Everybody complains about it, but nobody does anything about it. And that's it. It's like how many people take action. When I talk about the different personality styles, and, you know, one of them is the victim, where everything is the woe is me. Well, every relationship I have is always bad, and there's always this black cloud over them, and yet they don't think that they have anything to do with what's gone on in their life. Or the survivor, they've survived those negative things in their life, but they're not really thriving. Or the dreamer that always has those dreams and goals and ideas, but they never put action to it. Those three people will most likely never be able to meet that Prince Charming or that wonderful woman that will add to their life, whereas the achiever believes they can make it happen, puts the vision and the motivation behind it, and then they go out and live their life, which is, this is the key point, fulfilled, happy, and content with where they are. I think that's real important because a single person that feels like once they meet that significant other, then they will be complete, then they will be happy, then they will... That's not real. I think we really need to be complete, 
whole, happy, and healthy individuals and then go out there and meet the same. Because I think if you have a void inside, you're going to meet somebody with a void, and it's going to be more of a needy relationship than a giving relationship. So it's like go out there as an achiever, believing that you can make it happen, and then, again, making the choices to, to actually make it happen. You, you say you want one thing. It's what I talk about in my book. It's called the boomerang effect. Are you saying you want one thing, but you're putting out another? Because what you're putting out is going to come back to you. Maybe people self-sabotage, maybe their lack of self-esteem, maybe, I mean, I call them filters and, and mental messages. Uh, as we get older, especially in our 40s and 50s, we've gone through so many things and experiences in life that kind of tweak our perspective. But it's a matter of saying, no, I choose to be positive and I choose to make my life what I want it to be, rather than complaining every day that you don't have what you want, including a significant other. Let's backtrack just a little bit, Janine. In your book, you talk about the four personality types, and you went through them really quickly, so let me repeat them for the listeners right now. You talk about the victim, the survivor, the dreamer, and the achiever. And you mention in the book that uh, these personality types determine who you are, what you are, and who you will attract. So are you saying that if you're a victim that you're going to attract other victims, or you're going to attract your victimizer? I think it can be definitely both, because... All of these have an energy, so to speak, to them. And when you're choosing to be a victim, you're putting out a certain energy about yourself that will then attract a certain type of person. So either a victim will attract another victim or a, a fixer, a person that wants to fix everybody and, and rush and mend people's needs, which it becomes a needy relationship rather than a symbiotic relationship, uh, or you attract the victimizer because a victim always appears to be uh, a weak person, you know, woe is me. And so then what happens when a victimizer comes into their life is they don't expect anything greater. Oh, well, it's just another bad relationship among many, uh, which is very dangerous because then once you get into that pattern of accepting abuse in any form, then it becomes the norm. And you accept further abuse and most of your relationships go down that path. Just like they say, if you were raised in an abusive home or around alcoholics or other things that are dysfunctional, unfortunately, what happens is down the road, you end up attracting the same and you accept those kind of relationships in your life. So if you're a victim, what can you do to move from being a victim to being the achiever? Number one is to realize you're a victim, which most people don't. They just live the woe is me life. They throw great pretty parties. And when you try to talk to them, it's always, oh, well, you don't understand my situation. And as I say in my book, I don't have to understand and I don't mean to be harsh, but you still have a choice. So a person that can take a step back, look introspectively and say, you know what? I've been living a very victimized life. Whatever I've been through, I'm going to choose to change my mindset and move forward. As I say, it's not what happens to me, but what happens in me. A lot of stuff can happen to us through our 30, 40, 50, 60 years of life. But then it becomes, it's not so much what's going to happen to me, but it's about what happens in me. I have the choice to use it for good, to change it into a positive, and to grow and move to a better place. Because the mind is a very powerful thing. You want to believe you're a victim. You want to believe you're not deserving. You want to think in a negative way. Your mind will put you right there. So it's a matter of 
changing your thoughts because they become your attitudes, which become your actions. And that's a huge thing for all of us to uh, utilize in our life is the concept of thoughts, attitudes, and actions, which could be applied to the victim, the survivor, the dreamer, and even the achiever to keep them in that achieving place. Well, let's move then from the first one, which is the victim, move to the survivor. Tell us about them and how they can move from being a survivor to an achiever. Again, number one is realizing. I mean, any change that you want to make in your life, the number one step is to say, I want to change. So the survivor, they've made it through, which is good, but then somehow they've become stuck to where all they've done is survive, but they're not thriving anymore. They've kind of settled into the status quo. So again, it would be the journaling, the thinking, the envisioning. What's going to light me on fire? What's going to motivate me to move beyond just surviving every day, but now I know I want to thrive? How can I thrive? How can I be all that I can be? How can I achieve? How can I feel my best, look my best? And it's figuring out what you want in any personality style. Number one is the recognition. And number two is knowing what you want. And number three is putting a plan and an action to make it happen. Okay, moving on from survivor to the third personality type, the dreamer. Tell us a little bit more about them. The dreamer is even more important to get specific because they already have the ideas there. They, they'll they talk the big talk and they'll tell you what they're going to do, but uh, days, weeks, months, years from now, they still haven't done it. So how can they harness all of that creativity, all of that energy, and actually make it happen? It would be, okay, instead of just thinking and talking about it, how am I going to make it happen? Let's narrow it down, number one, so you can be focused. And then again, same thing. Make that plan. Okay, I'm going to pick one or two or three of the top things that I feel would enhance my life the most. Now, what am I going to do to actually make it happen? What can I do each day? What choices can I make? And be specific. And I always talk to people about breaking things down so it's not overwhelming. And I call them mini successes. What can I do today? to set me in that direction tomorrow, next week, next month, and just keep moving. Keep making those choices that move you in the direction that you want to go. The plan is really similar for all of them because it's a matter of understanding where you are, knowing where you want to go, and then taking the steps to get there. Well, let's move on then to the fourth personality type, which of course is the one that we all want to move towards, and that is being the achiever. And let's take as an example finding a romantic partner, because that seems to be the number one hot button of single people that listen to our show, Single Living. So let's be a little bit more specific. You want to move from being the victim or the survivor or the dreamer. You want to become the achiever. You want to find that special person for a lasting, loving relationship. And you're saying the first thing to do is to write down a list of the things that you're looking for, to kind of visualize the kind of person you could be happy with and you're saying to be very very specific about what you want and then decide which of those items on the list are must-haves and I think the one point that I like to stress when I teach classes on this subject is you also have to be clear about what you're willing to give up because we all have that fantasy person that ideal person in our brain and you know funny thing they always seem to look like a movie star don't they <laughs> yes and and they these people are perfect you know I tell people nobody ever visualizes somebody who has faults Every time we visualize somebody, that person always seems to be a perfect person. So we write down that list of qualities we're looking for in an ideal romantic partner. We have to decide what we must have, but then we also have to be willing to decide what we're willing to give up. How do you help people give up some of the unrealistic fantasies that get in the way of a love relationship with a real human being? 
Again, it's understanding the deal breakers and what I'm willing to live with. Like one person would be willing to accept somebody with children, whereas one person would not. One person would make a very hard definitive line of what I want the person to make financially. One would not. Maybe it's physical characteristics, tall, short, blonde, blue eyes. For each person, it's going to be different. But again, it would be like me sitting down and envisioning, okay, let me just brainstorm. Let me write down everything that I would love to have in my perfect partner. And then, of course, we come to reality and realize, okay, you can't have everything. I am not perfect. And therefore, you know, I can't find someone that's perfect. That just doesn't exist. So then I realize, okay, what's the most important? Okay, maybe common interest, because I want this person to be a friend, not only, you know, a lover and a partner in personal and professional things and so you say, okay, I want to have common interests. And then what's the next most important thing to me? Maybe it is a certain level of income because I can take care of myself at this age. So in order to, you know, deal with another person in my life, I want us to be able to travel or have a decent home or a decent lifestyle. And again, it's that matter of getting specific and making the list so you don't go out there haphazardly or waste a lot of time on dates where you know that this person is really not what I want. But I think you also have to leave the door open because I've talked to more and more people that they were very surprised at who they ended up with and were attracted to when maybe it wasn't everything on their list, but something about that person just captivated them, swept them off their feet, they felt comfortable, which I think is the other thing. Gut is very important. Your gut sometimes can speak louder than than your mind and, and your heart. When it says something is not right, I think it's important to listen to that. So it's just a matter of realizing, no, I don't want to spend the rest of my life alone, but I also know that bringing another person into my life is going to be more difficult in certain respects than living alone, because obviously I don't argue with myself, I don't have disappointments with myself, but you bring another person into your life and it brings other issues in. And so it's a matter of balancing it all out, the pros and the cons, and finding that person that you feel that you are better with than without. And a lot of that is also going to be communication. And and all too often, I don't think people come together and talk open enough. Either they're afraid of letting out their laundry, so to speak, or, well, if I say this, will they still like me? And getting into that desperate mode of I want to be on my best behavior because I want to make sure that I find someone is also a debilitating place to be because you have to be in a place where it's like I want to wait for that perf that person that will complement me the most. And again, you've got to realize what it is that you want and what you don't want so that you know who will complement you. Tell us a little bit about the energy bank. You talk about making regular deposits to your energy bank. Energy is a limited resource. And when I talk to people and groups and I work with my clients, I always ask them, do you have an unlimited amount of energy? Do you just bounce out of bed in the morning and, you know, full of energy through your day, and more often than not, people say no. Most people are very tired. And your energy is what empowers you. It's the catalyst to everything that you do. And the three components that I think are most important to your energy is stress, attitude, and diet. So I impress upon people, number one, to deal with your stress. How many people are stressed? Most All of us. us. On All a daily us. basis. <laughs> exactly. And can we get rid of our stress? It's not possible. 
um, you will have a certain amount of stress. And so I call it the number one stress management question, which is, is this person or situation that's creating stress in my life within my control to change? Because how often do we waste time and energy stressing over things that are out of our control? And that will relieve a lot of stress, number one. So is this person or situation within my control to change? And people say, yeah, well, it's not within my control, but it still stresses me, and, and it happens on a daily basis, and how do I deal with it? And that's when I say the next thing is attitude. Again, it's your choice. You can have a positive or a negative perspective on anything. And your mind truly will take you wherever you tell it to go. So it's up to you. It's your choice. It's your attitude. And once you realize the stresses in your life that you cannot control or change, then you can choose to change your attitude about it, to be able to let it go. Because what's the purpose in continuing to stress over something that you cannot change? The last component, of course, is diet. Tell us how that affects your energy bank. Well, I call it fuel for fitness or fuel for your uh, full potential because basically your body is the transportation that's going to take you through what I call your journey of greatness, your life. And it would be like having the choice between two cars to take on vacation. And one car, your mechanic says, you know what, I just don't think it will make it. The lights are going off. It's leaking oil. It's just it's not running well. And the other car, the mechanic says, this car is in great shape. Take it. You'll make it to your destination. Have a wonderful time. Which car would you choose? And I've yet to have anybody say they would choose the clunker. Of course, they choose the car that runs well and gets them from point A to point B. And yet, our most valuable thing in life, which is our body, because that's going to take us to relationships and take us to, you know, reaching all these goals. And yet, what do we choose? We choose the clunker. And the fuel that you put in your body is truly going to take you through this journey, either tired, frustrated, grumpy, achy, sick all the time, lacking motivation, or you truly can wake up with zest and passion and, and alive simply because of the fuel you're putting in your body. It would be like putting bad gas in your car and thinking you're going to be able to run a race. And finally, Jeanine, tell us about your circle of greatness. I think people play a very powerful uh, place in our life. Yes, ultimately, the number one motivator is yourself, but we're not an island in and of ourselves. And so what kind of people, what I call your circle of greatness, do you surround yourself with? Uh, are you with people that empower you and inspire you and motivate you to be your best and believe in you and propel you, you know, in that direction? Or do you surround yourself with people that disempower you, they knock you down, you maybe talk about your dreams and goals, and they say, no, you can't make that happen. Maybe they reinforce those negative messages and filters that are in your mind. So I think it's really important that you choose people in your life that are going to be an energy force, that are going to also be that catalyst to move you in the direction that you want to go in your life. It's just one of the components where you put it all together with the energy and the mindset and the envisioning and the journaling and the being specific. And then you've got those people in your life that you share all those things with and, and they say, yes, you can do it. Go out there and make it happen. Or maybe on a low day, it's someone that you can call up and say, hey, I'm just needing some encouragement. I think it's very important to surround yourself with those people that help to propel you into the direction that you want to go. 
Okay, Jean, we're at the end of the interview, but we want to make sure everybody knows that the title of the book is 40 and Stuck in the Middle, and we want them to know about your website, which is www.pervict, and I'm going to spell that for everybody because it's spelled P-E-R-V-I-C-T, pervictbody.com is the website. And we also want to give them your email address in case they want to write to you from anywhere in the world. If they're in Southern California, of course, uh, you're available as a motivational speaker and also as a personal coach to people. But people can certainly communicate to you from around the world by emailing you at Janine. And I'm going to spell the Janine as well, J-E-N-I-N-E. So it's Janine7, the number 7, at Juno.com. The website is PervictBody.com. The book is 40 and stuck in the middle. Single Living is a production of the Singles Podcasting Network, which is in San Rafael, California. My guest today has been Janine Wayrock, the author of 40 and Stuck in the Middle. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, this is your host, Rich Goss.